0: Hello, everyone.
1: I'm really happy to invite you to a, a rare kind of conversation uh, between two gentlemen, who I personally have known for each of them quite a while, but they've never met each other before. And after talking with Eric Lawyer, who's in Boulder, Colorado, and Maciek Antikaliak, who's in outside of Wrocław, Poland, Uh, but I realized that these two men need to talk to each other, and so I asked them if they'd be willing to come together here in public instead of having a private conversation and share about these amazing projects that they're working on that might really inspire you in terms of your own project, and they'll be sharing some of their own resources so you can contact them, and they, of course, themselves are resources and they will tell you all about that, and so I'd like to welcome you to a fantastic conversation between Eric Loyer and Maciek Antkawiak. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you, Hello. Chloe, yeah, for having us.
1: Hello, Eric. Hello, I'm Chloe. Really glad to be here.
2: Hello, Maciek. Maciek, is that Maciek? Maciek. Maciek, okay. Hello.
1: So, Eric, why don't you just keep going? okay um,
2: the nutshell i i I would say it's like I've come upon my own purpose by by gosh and by golly, <laughs> meaning it it's been a many years of lots of different pieces happening it's getting more and more refined um in the beginning i my awakening was through the collective shadow through nine eleven truth. So As a firefighter that was deeply impacted there went out to new York and then I believed the official story and Then, when I finally woke up to the uh, the lies that had been told i I was shocked and uh, went into a downward spiral. so I gave up on humanity and i 'm telling my story kind of in a universal way because I feel like where we 're at as humanity is a lot of humanity 's given up and we 're lost and it 's like it 's so dark and it seems so insurmountable, and that 's where I was. And um, when I did that, and stood up, I was coming at it from anger and I didn't see it at the time, but I was like, I wanted to fight. And when I did that, I got a big fight in a way. And so I was, um, I'd say, became the public enemy of the the U.S. National Fire Service because I was saying things nobody wanted to hear. So chiefs from around the, the country would call my chief to try to get me to shut up. And thank God my chief didn't make me shut up, but he didn't believe me so i just that was a downward spiral and you know what happened next was um a spiritual awakening and when that happened i was like rainbows and unicorns in a way and i was like oh my god we're there's light forces here that can actually counteract these dark forces and we're not screwed i still saw it as an us versus them and when i was in that us versus them um i but with that that spiritual awakening i ended up having a vision And that was in 2011. And that vision to this day, I call my zip file. The way I received it was like a psychedelic experience. And I had never even had a psychedelic experience at that point. I have since. But at that point, I was like, what just happened? And my mentor, who was the one who kind of came to help support me as I woke up through this, he was able to guide, help guide me on this and get me on the right path, you could say, and was guided to do a 10-year anniversary on 9-11 called Won the Event, And that event was about making the shift from fear to love. So what came through, through my mentor, helping me see the vision that I received, like uh, internalize it, I guess you could say, was it was, as he said, it's not your vision, it's God's vision or life's vision. And he said, it's about making the shift from an operating system of fear and pain to one of love and God or life GPS, like a consciousness that guides you way beyond your human consciousness. So that is what set me on the path to meet Clinton And after I had that vision, we did the event. It connected to me a lot of key players that were holding different components. And when I look back, what I would say is what I'm on now is looking at what is a new local model? So nano, as as you guys would say, so local that we can work out the kinks and the corrupt code and everything else and then work through that and then begin scaling from there, replicating the same things we've all seen in our own ways. And But the unique thing for me was I saw my perspective from, my, or the vision from my perspectives as a firefighter. So that gave me some concepts that I had that others I saw didn't have. And I'm like, we can scale from very local to very global really quick in the fire service. So I knew it was possible, but I knew it was going to be different technology. So that's when I went out and spent time with Next Culture, seeing how you guys are doing things. Like, okay, there's things here. What I also got, what, um, and I'll finish with this was, a man named David Martin. I don't. Do you guys all know David? No. No. Okay. So he's someone you probably want to get to know. He's he's the one that is his website's davidmartinworld So David Martin and then dot world. Now he is uh, he's someone we're partnering with now, and I met him during Sandy Hurricane Sandy it was called in 2012, and he had when I shared the vision I saw with him. He shared his with me and he said, that model you're seeing is a guild. It's a guild technology. And so I was like, okay. So he sent me on that path. What I didn't realize was he was directly involved in 9-11. He was actually invited in to participate in 9-11. So he, he worked within the shadow deeper than anybody I'd ever known. And something inside of me said, even though I don't trust you, like there's something here I trust. And so I was willing to really go deep with him. And he helped me see that it's a lot more complex than just good and evil. And when I saw that, it was like, okay, the point is when I say to check his workout, he is um, right now working with teams. He's he's filing key lawsuits in the United States against deep state uh, organizations and people. The reason he's untouchable, and he's okay with me saying this publicly, the reason he's untouchable is because he has what are called dead man switches. So he has, because he was invited into 9-11, he actually has all the data. Um, he tracked all the expenses, all the evidence. So this man can bring down the entire 9-11 operation. Now he won't do it because it's gonna create chaos. And he said, what 10 years ago, he told me what I'm waiting for is for enough of these villages basically enough of these little guilds to start seeding all over the planet and for people to see that this is our shared shadow this ain't you and me and all this stuff it's this is what we've done together and when we can know that we're going to be safe and make it through this this when everything crumbles he goes that we have to see it just like you know the work you guys do then we have to see our own shadow so when I went back to see him just a few weeks ago in Virginia, it'd been 10 years since we'd been in person. We've done things on you know online like we have, but in person first time, when we shared where we're at, and I'll close with this is we saw here what we're doing in Boulder, what we've come to is it's not just a guild technology. It's what we saw as the guild was like, okay, we need people who can grow, people who can do energy, people who can do all these healing and all these different things. What's come through is it comes down even smaller. It comes down to an evolution of the family unit. So instead of a binary family unit, you know, where it's just a man and a woman, we're seeing a vill- like a nano, we're calling it the technology we're calling a family guild technology. And what that is is basically, and we don't have it yet, we're sourcing it, but we're it's basically where children are born into six to 12 adult tribe, basically. And those people aren't in that tribe until they've done enough of their inner work and everything else that they're not projecting their traumas and recreating the same dramas and all that type of stuff. So that's what we're working on is with David now. And once we went back and checked in with David, he was like, yes, he didn't see the family part either. And now he gets it because he's like, that's what this planet needs is children protected more than anything. And that's what's going to give us rise to this new operating system. So that's where we're at thank you give us a moment to just
1: breathe (laughs) just breathe for a moment wow Mm
0: -hmm. thank you for sharing it it's a
1: wonderful door open here Mm -hmm. so thank you very much for not just sharing it but actually doing it the courage and fortitude and persistence and back to the courage again (laughs) thank you
2: Thank, thank you, Eric. Thank you for receiving. I'm excited where this goes.
3: <laughs> and I already see so many gateways for for interaction, so I cannot wait in a way. Go ahead. Um, um, so I will start from 9-11. So I remember that uh, on 9-11, I was an intern for a city group headquarters for Eastern Europe and Asia. So I was I was still work. I was still studying physics and economics. I had complete collapse of belief in, in science and my career in science. And I was still doing it. And I was trying to fit into the system. And it was the nineties and then the the beginning of the two thousands in Poland was like the complete change of the system from communism to this wild capitalism. Everything is possible, like a wild west happening again. And I was trying to fit into the. The best, more elite uh, bank we had in Warsaw, in the capital of Poland. So I was starting my career, in as a, you know, using my intelligence to process data for this big, whatever City Group was doing. And, and when you when you spoke about it, I realized also the path I traveled since then. So I spent another. 10 or 15 years trying to fit into the, the existing, the, the modern civilization, the modern culture. Fortunately, I didn't go into banking. I stayed in physics and I was working in the university, which is still more free and more appreciative of, of free thinking. And at the same time, um, I climbing this ladder, I, i could sense this this growing pain in me of not fully living so it was this you know the career based on intelligence and we would say gremlin and competition and and being the the smartest and at the same time at some point i realized that i had a group research group and my phd students started to come to me with some data from the lab and 10 minutes later, we started to talk about life. So they were asking me life questions. And they were saying, you know, so what do, What to do in the relationship? What to do in my with my life? How should I speak with parents? And then I realized that I have a different job in this, in the society, in the community. I mean, it's not my job what I'm doing. And then I I decided to quit this career. And then I, a year later, I met Clinton. So I was in, in, in Mallorca in the lab. And basically, I came to you, Clinton, saying, I want to be useful for, for young people. I want to learn how to be u- really useful. Um, and this was 2016, 17. And since then, I, I've been trying to find my way into building a different culture or a next culture. So I've been the, the trainer. In possibility management, and also I, I, I spent some time studying process work, like Arnold Mindel's The World Work, and how to deal with conflict and the ghosts, and how to how to bring the balance and facilitate the 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 dial of, of things. And also at the same time, I was I I had this, and I don't know where it came from. This this longing for discovering community. I mean, what does it mean, community? As a quality or possibility that is not really available really in the full meaning of this world in, in, in the modern culture. So I also have been doing the community building by Scott Peck, the, 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 the group process. Um,
0: and, and I traveled, uh,
3: to visit the eco-villages in Europe. So the Tamera, Finhorn, uh, Zek near Berlin, the, the places where they actually lived the next culture. Actually, this is what they I mean, what they say they do. To rediscover really if it's possible. So this was a big, big discovery that there are people who actually inhabit the next culture. And this was really you know, box-expanding, box-crushing experience to see that there are uh, elders who, who have lived there for, for 30, 40 years. And two years ago, uh, together with my partner, Emilia, uh, we decided to create this invitation to really, to, to, to create an actual place in Poland that will be, and we thought we were creating an eco village or maybe a possibility village, something that came from one of the web pages that, that Clinton and Chloe created, a possibility village. And what we really started to create was a place where a community of practice can actually explore the context, so what does it mean to live in a different context and practice together so create a sangha for the next culture and and I think this is the biggest thing that we this is the core of what we've been trying to do to to, to, to uh, really discover how a group of people can find commitment to really spend a longer time in a community of practice and this is different from you know doing trainings when there's a five day protected space and we all agree that we have five days commitment so so this is about for me this is about building bridge between the extraordinary spaces and the daily life and it turned out that no, we have this place. We, we 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 had twenty, thirty people living there in the summer, and it's really down to you know getting wood chopped and bringing water and cooking and cleaning and getting the the chainsaw cleaned and ready for the next person. And this this is where it falls apart. I mean, this is where the all the child ego state and in stuff comes in. And this is my edge of of my research now. I mean, can we? Can we be adults when we do the daily daily stuff? And so, really inhabit the—I would say—at least the adult level responsibility. Not to mention anything higher, but actually, really clean up the chainsaw after you've done your work, so the next person has a ready tool. And this is already so difficult, even for people who, you know, have all these big processes and vision. And in the extraordinary space, and I think what what brings me here i mean the, the the question I have here for our meeting is how to build build guilds, like you mentioned the guild technology, how to bring people together without waiting for all of them to be initiated into high level of responsibility because this this is in my experience, a fantasy world that we will have people initiated into even adult level so that they already can create something from a different culture from the next culture, not in a bubble that lasts for five days or is you know it's, it's kind, kind of temporary uh, next culture zone but actually in this life in this in this in a way, how to retrofit the the modern culture, so we can already have these people with this physicality inhabiting a different context, and this is the question I have been researching the, uh, during the last year.
1: Magic, you also mentioned to me recently how your actual wish was to bring this into the city somehow. Can you can you say that in your own words?
3: Yes, and this is this comes from the realization that you know, eco-villages or these, these, these small places far away from, from the city, I, st- I believe there is still an expression of white privilege. So this is middle class, you know, well-off, people who have money, time, so on. And even in possibility management, I mean, we are all white. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't meet people of different, really different backgrounds, different uh, even outside of the middle class, I would say, it's 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 still just part of the society. And I spent half of my time in the city. It's one of the biggest Polish cities. And it's quite liberal, quite progressive. And still it's just, you know, it's suburbia, people driving their cars and going to work to the office. And, and I see the, how different I am and how different it is for me to have this, even with, within me, to inhabit this next culture when I am in my village, in my intentional community, and even here, when I go to the bakery, when I, you know, having my car repaired, when I speak with with friends of my daughter, because my daughter, is, is she's 15, and she is here in the city. And then the question is, okay, so if Buckminster Fuller is, is right, and we are creating this alternative that makes the old obsolete. So what about the, the old culture? What about the... Do we just wait for all this to crumble and, you know, die off? Or is it actually possible so we can we can bring this into this physicality for a wider group of people and actually create something wonderful in this city here? And this can be one street, it can be one block of flats or whatever. But how to create this nano nation not beyond the horizon? So I would say this is the question I have. Thank you, Clinton, for asking.
0: There we go. So take it away. And and
3: also I already noticed that I cannot bring everybody to do an ETB and expand the box training. This will not work. So that's, that's the starting point.
2: Well, once again, Clinton's genius in connecting, that's like the biggest question we're sitting with in this too, uh, because it's it's not, it's not you know, like you said, it's just a fantasy in a way to think everybody's just going to up-level together and be the same, and it's not happening. And so that's where, how would I say this, the Giltec concept is what lands in me, because Like David helped me see years ago when he's he talked about the guild technology and he this guy's got a photographic memory. If you watch some of his documentaries where he's bringing down huge institutions, he's so precise and his his ability to deliver is just it's incredible. And um, but the point is is he talked about the guild. So the guild technology was the last thing that um, they brought down the United States when they co-opted it. So it was the one thing that was still preventing the co-option of the United States. And once they destroyed the guilds, it was done. So if we apply it to the family unit in a way, and what what it means is that in a guild, you have the apprentice journeyman and master. So the the masters and he said, most people never become a master. So he said the apprentice, a master would a, a apprentice would go to a master and apply. Basically, can I be tra- can I train with you? And in return, they would provide some food, the stipends, you know, food, shelter and all those types of things. And as they progressed, if they they were good enough, then they could become a journeyman. And what he said was the journeyman would travel the region and work with different masters. So what they were doing was they were learning the essence from different masters within their trade. And as they collected that experience, then they had the opportunity to become a master themselves But the key to being a master was you couldn't replicate anybody else's work. You had to take the essence or the gold of each of the masters and create something new that brought your your trade forward. So to me, in a way, it's like if we nest ourselves in that family guild, like that's not our primary job. But we all those who commit are saying, hey, I'm I know I have patterns that are a mess or whatever, but I'm willing to apprentice with a family guild unit where there are people that are masters. So there's fewer of them, but I'm learning how to live this new way or, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is yet, but there's something about that. Like we take on life in a way that I want to be a member of my community and a member of the family. That's that's so integrated. I'm willing to do the work. And that that's what we're playing with is like, can we bring people in that are like, hey, I just want to join because I don't like living alone right now. <laughs> I don't know. You know, that's, it's a hard, like, I, I totally, I feel like that's the gold when we can identify that what is meeting someone where they're at and being able to not have them blow up the family unit too, if they're still in that child ego state and everything else. Like, that's where I think we're going to find the magic is how to hold this together.
0: I don't know. Hmm. What have you found in the last year?
3: So I also, I also spent the last year uh, studying with the Regenesis group. So this is the regenerative development uh, trend that comes from permaculture and also kind of this alternative architecture and social design towards regenerative design. And, and they, they took this concept of, of guilds from permaculture and brought it into the social design. So you, you can bring people from seemingly opposite perspectives, points of view into the same level by engaging them in something more meaningful or actually engaging them in a common vision. And this common vision is based on this kind of source of aliveness or potential that there is in the, in the living system. And it, it, this is, uh, this is something I would say we, in possibility management, we, we we call this kind of, you know, there is this pressure change and it can also create a vacuum that is, that makes it so attractive that people grow and the box expands and so on. So I think it's more based on this uh, offering gateways, offering this attractive vacuum that is fueled by being engaged in a deeper vision. So removing the divisions, the kind of you know, cultural or traditional uh, lines of division. And uh, the regenerative practitioner's job is, is really to, to find this common platform that ignites people's growth together without actually suggesting that there is something wrong with them. So i guess this is, this is similar this is this this offer this invitation to the adventure of of creating something together even for the first time, even though they don't, don't understand what is happening so now it comes from from a higher level of consciousness, so you see things that people don't see, for example in the neighborhood in the in the quarter in the city and you help them uh you open this this possibility of them to be engaged in something that is more interesting than low drama. Um, and, and I guess this is this 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 may be a similar technology to what you described. So you are offering a possibility to grow beyond your traditional, for example, binary family or your profession or your habits. And I have experimented with this. And I wouldn't say I know how to do it yet, so I know what not to do from my experience in Osala.
4: I mean can you share a little bit of that magic?
3: being being impatient doesn't work, so it's it's the it's like in a garden i mean you can you can have this kind of fast cycle of vegetables, so you put seeds in the in the spring and then you eat them in in autumn. And and this is more like starting a forest. So it's 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 really the, the timescale of this seems so long that I will not live long enough to see the, the effects, I would say. And this is my box, really you know so th- there is so much I think it's spiritual work, it's sacred work actually to do it. That you are starting an ecosystem, or you're you're putting this impulse without any guarantee that actually it will happen within your lifetime. And I think this is what, this, what is, this is the main challenge, at least for me. I can see, especially when the project has, uh, let's say one year cycle of, of budget and production and, you know, planning. Yeah. So we have the summer and the winter and, and, and the guild, I can see the guild coming together around Osada, this project we, we've been doing, but it's, it is happening in such a nonlinear way. And people who are actually joining the guilds, who are, who are accepting this invitation are different from the ones I would expect actually to be in the guild or to, to fit into the guild. So this is this this emerging, emerging organism that is happening rather than something that, okay, you and you and you, I put you together and then something happens. So this is, and it's mostly beeps.
0: For, for me as as a space holder for that uh,
3: yeah wow. so eric what is working for
2: you well that's the thing's coming up there i'd say it's mostly beeps and that too we're really learning what's not working what's the what do you what do you guys call echo the the coordination <laughs> that's what's working um just trusting and seeing what emerges and i i'm being called to share like a unique example of david's world so that you can see what he's seeing and that's where we're going first and we haven't done it so i don't i don't know what's going to happen but he's done for over 30 years he's worked in third world countries and his model is called integral accounting and he's helped um Communities, villages that have been colonized, you could say, and uh, that are, that are destitute because of what's you know happened. He's helped them come together and I'll just say create community-owned business and different things that revolutionizes their their capacity. So, and how would I say this? He's able to access intelligences that I've never seen anybody have the capacity to do. So one of the things he showed us when we went out to Virginia, and again, he's fine with me sharing these things. He just gave me a couple of things I couldn't share, but he created a technology, calls it a liquid magnet. And so he said most scientists, quantum scientists, even, they they don't even understand what a liquid magnet is. And he said a liquid magnet is something that... Re, that, that um, it reminds something, an element or a person, an element specifically, though, of its original essence. And he said, what's happened in our quantum entanglement is we've gotten so lost and so entangled in so many realities and so many different things, we kind of fold in on ourselves. So in this liquid magnet, the intention of this liquid magnet is to purify tar sands. So soil and tar or sand that's been polluted either by nature through tar sands or by fracking so in this he showed us and it was like it was just surreal to see this happening and the brain was like how is this even happening and so it's a tube his first prototype now he's got large scale 60 ton per hour ones and he's bought up 60 percent of the tar stands with a group and in Utah they're going to revitalize Utah and remove the tar sands and what it does when they dump it there's no moving parts So when it comes to it's a big tube, and when they dump the soil through the tube, midair it atomizes, and so when it atomizes it comes apart, and literally you've got the purest oil and you've got pure dirt, and so it completely separates and they go down two different tunnels pathways basically, and it totally clears it no chemicals no nothing. So the oil industry and everyone else who's making so much money off of charging so much to clean these things up, doesn't even want to consider this as even possible. So he said, traditional scientists have told him it's impossible what's happening. And he's like, your brain's seeing it happen. How can you tell me it's impossible? Don't you want to understand? And most don't want to understand. And that was their door when, hey, we're going to do this on our own. We're not going to try to go to the existing companies and sell it. We're just going to do it and you know basically see you later kind of thing. So when we talked to him about this he said it's the same thing with people he said we've gotten entangled we need to be reminded of our original essence. and i said can you use that liquid magnet type technology on people and he goes we believe so but we're not yet because we don't know what's going to happen but the point was was i said how do you even how did you create this and he said i'm accessing information that that i'm using all 12 senses He said, we have been in this guy, like he comes from a lineage in the shadow. His, his great grandfather was part of who helped create the Federal Reserve and all that. So this guy is deep inside that side, but he's a, I'd say a rogue agent from the shadow side and he's here to redeem things. And so he said, it's been a very concerted effort to take people's own sovereignty their their understanding of themselves their sensing he said we've been duped in a way we've been told we have five senses and maybe a sixth sense he goes no we have 12 senses that's why there's 12 cranial nerves the 12 cranial nerves are identified to each separate sensing and so he said after all my years of doing work around the in third world countries and um and i uh he'd said I started seeing the patterns. When I go back to these villages, like they got the concept and their life improved, but they weren't really radically shifting, radically transforming and doing what we're talking about. And so what he saw, he said, after doing a ton of, not just research, but embodiment work with them and seeing they weren't able to sense. And he goes, it comes down to what his opinion is, is people cannot sense. So he said, there's technologies that from, you know, intelligence is way beyond human intelligence that can answer all these questions we have but we can't access it. So what he's doing with our group and here in in Boulder and some of his people are coming too, is in January and towards the end of January, we're gonna do a week long, he's uh, full immersion and how to begin developing our 12 senses. So he said, when you get to that level, a lot of the drama starts falling away, that kind of stuff, because now we're accessing intelligence. That's not, we don't have to go into trainings to do it. We're we're just in the embodiment of it. And together we create a field where we can start repatterning through that, what we're doing. And he said, when you get in his theory, and like I said, he hasn't proven this yet. He's He's done it small scale, but his theory is when we start, when we have an, a few people that are willing to go all in. And start accessing at this level and work that out, we're going to be able to start bringing things through that are way beyond what, what we know. And I'll close with what he'd said on one of his interviews that really resonated with me. He said, so many people have spent decades, some of us, in developing our work and, you know, training with masters and then our own pieces and all that. And he said... What we need to do is let go of the ego. He said, all that did was buy you a seat at the table, because when this new solution, when it comes through, it's nobody's solution. And he said, so we're going to have to let go of all our old work. And he, he said, that's really hard for people to do, but that's what buys the seat at the table. And he goes from there, when we have enough of us, and he said, it's a very small amount that can hold that level of consciousness. That's where we'll see something new. And so we're still in the exploration, and our experiment starts January 22nd for to see what happens with this first fave. And and it's called the 12 Senses, it's just what he's calling it. And he's that's where that's where we're going. And I'm excited for this conversation because there's pieces like the the we called it the village in the city, and now we're down to the family, and the family units begin to make the village. But it has to start, I think, in the in the urban, you know, rural interface. If it doesn't, we're we're trying to build islands. It feels like
1: you know both of you guys have brought up this kind of question, which is are do, are we going to be able to do we do this by design? I'm a game world builder. I build out game space that people did not think of before, and when I build it out and say this is how it goes, here's the languaging, here are the distinctions, here are the thought maps, here's the websites. Here's the teams. When I build out the, the, the infrastructure for new game space, then people can occupy it. But that's a that's a design-first orientation. You know, design into the unknown, and then people can occupy that. And, and it, both of you have brought up this organic thing. This is like beep, 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 and then something comes in from, you know, the outside. And so from beyond that, what we could imagine, it comes in and it, and it kind of tweaks things on its own. You know, it's like it, it has this uh, wisdom that we couldn't imagine or this uh, direction of going that we can't imagine. And I'm reminded of this old, this metaphor of, of uh, the third forces in physics. You know, it's like when you, unless you throw a boomerang, the third force doesn't come in to make it curve around and come back. You know, it's got to be in motion. And so there's the thing about thinking, I have a design and I can try it out and these people will get it and it will work, you know, and of course it's all beefs, but we're in motion. And then when we're in motion, we're letting go of the, the rigidity and then the, these, these sideways forces can influence from the Earth Coincidence Control Office or whatever, you know, from these external coincidence forces to help navigate, what, how, what's your approach? Like, how do you? Which, which way are
0: you guys going with this?
3: So, in this regenerative uh, development, there is, uh, they are using this law of of three, of law of three forces, which comes actually from Gurdjieff also. So it's it's in a way two, two branches of the same school. And um, maybe slightly differently from from the, the way, for example, this explained in the spark. There's one spark about the, the law of three forces, and the, you said that the, the, the harmonizing force is possibility. I mean, this is what I found in possibility management. And in regenerative development, they they say yes. Whenever you have the activating force, there is resistance. And of course, if you're identified with the, with the activating force, this is an obstacle and you're trying to kill it. And if you're identified with the resisting force, then this is dangerous, so you're trying to stop it completely. So this is our traditional fight. And if you design something or you have an idea how it should work, then you, your activating force will try to bulldozer the, the resistance. Yeah? And it's always about finding wisdom in, on, on both sides so the job of the practitioner is to really look at the they call it the, the the greater whole or the living system within which these forces are happening and see how one of them is just fragmenting the whole that within which we are so we are only seeing one aspect of the greater whole and then the reconciling force or the harmonizing force is it's really perpendicular like you said, and it, it it really carries wisdom of the both of both sides. And the harmonizing force serves the the deeper potential or the deeper form of aliveness of the greater whole. So both of them are needed. So your activating force is wonderful because it opens the, the opportunity, the possibility, and then the resistance also is the you know the partner in the dance, and neither of them is better or, or worse. And this is about remembering that there is a greater whole. So always looking at the greater um, ecosystem or greater living system within which we are, and we, as human beings, we tend to fragment. So we are working on looking at one aspect. We 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 are fragmenting the reality. And and they say that, I mean the the, the guidance the guideline is designed for evolution. So I guess this is what you what you said when you designed the, the game world that I don't know what will happen, but I, I know that the evolution will happen. So this is the first principle.
0: If you kill evolution, then it's dead by design. Um, the just just
1: the phrase that I've heard is "designed for my own demise." like to replace myself, like design so that I don't have to be there.
3: Yeah. So it's not running on your life force or your magic.
1: Yeah.
3: And it's just self regenerating. So this is why it's regenerative because it, there is this life force that actually makes it grow by itself. And you don't have to put more fossil fuels and your own energy every year to keep it going. So I think this is the exact metaphor, actually, for a game world or for, for for a living system. And and looking at osada, I see that the fact that there is osada and the place, especially the place, and this is very important in regenerative design, that it's the physical place in the world that carries its essence. There is there is actually bright principles going through the essence of the of the place even before people come there. And I can see how it, in a way, fuels evolution of, of some people who come to Osada. So right now I am in Wrocław in and there is one one guy who is sitting there and he was just sending us the pictures of of, sn- of snow. Like, oh, it's snowing. And he he cannot, he, he quit his job in the meantime and he just wants to be there. And he's sitting there by himself just looking at the snow, you know, I say, ah, it's snowing, and and I can see how he's growing his relationship with the place. And I have no idea if it's by design or not. I mean, it's nothing about the codex or whatever. It's just there is this, and it's a very intellectual guy. And his box, will, I would never say that he will fall in love with the, you know, with snow. <laughs> and he's just sitting there, completely liquid, and it's ah, it's snowing. Uh, so I would like to know, what I mean, I would look in retrospect what happened, but there are people who are finding their own way within something that we have not designed, consciously.
0: And it is happening. Eric.
2: Yes. Responding to that. Um yeah i think that's the the by design or by i what i call it is dynamic sourcing so have you have i spoken to you guys about sourcing before peter cooning is uh is his name with his work's called work with source and so he um i've i haven't met him personally but i my one of my mentors had done a lot of work with him and he's um How would I say it? It's basically, he describes how the universe works and it's abundant and it's got all these designs and all these things and it's constantly, in a way it's like apple seeds, you could say they're just everywhere, but it's how do we respond? And so what he, his work was he studied organizations and people and uh, villages and things like that, that to see which ones were effective and which ones weren't and the ones that really had success. And he found common threads and those common threads were if they had an understanding of how life worked and how life created they and they are, they were able to check their egos i guess you could say because they were working on something greater than themselves they were off to the races and what he described was and this is what um he described we i we we've adapted his languages for more clarity uh i call it a source vision so what i mean by a source vision is something that's come from source or life that humanity needs that could revolutionize humanity. And so the people that receive those, and this is talking to the organic versus design, and the people that receive those, they're chosen because they have the capacity to help bring it through. And so if it's, and he calls it, there's a structure in nature and hierarchy. And so there's structured um, source visions. And what he means is, He said, so like the airplane was invented, like it was multiple places around the world that showed up around the same time, those types of things. And so he said, those first people who receive those in a way, they've been chosen by life, but they also have to choose life. So they have to say yes to whatever that source vision is. And when they say yes, they just not just saying yes, it's a deep, it's as he called it's a um, significant risk. If they take a significant risk, reputation, money, whatever, career, whatever it is, and they keep following through, then that's them choosing life. And now, if they're doing it in alignment, he said, what happens next is a small team will start forming around that person. And he said, if they think it's them and they're the hero, the all-star, all that, it creates founder syndrome and all kinds of stuff. But if they can see they're in service to life and they just happen to have a role, then what happens next is a source team starts coming around and he goes, those next people, their job is to help that person get that what's coming through more clear. So it's like, how do we clarify this? So it's an in, it's in alignment with life and not what our visions and our minds and all that kind of stuff think. And when that team's able to do that, he said, if they can see that it's it's not any one of them is better than the other, but they all have unique roles. He said, it's magic that happens. And when he described the system, and I've listened to some of his interviews, it reminded me of the fire service. And I was like, Bam, huge epiphany. Because in the old model of the fire service, we were in competition. We literally in the 1800s would fight to get to the fire because whoever got first water would be paid. And so they were not helping each other. It was literally, let's beat each other. And that's our world right now with businesses, nonprofits, villages, even, you know, it's like, we got to beat, we've got to get this thing or we're not going to survive. And so what he said. So what the fire department transitioned to was a cooperative model, and what he calls it—the word he uses—is honoring source. So if you can honor where the source energy is coming through, now we can navigate together. And so with his work and some I'm pulling essence from different mentors, what I'm seeing is we, we, instead of building a team that's a team that's just all in, all the time, all that. We part of my role is to help expand the awareness. It's that, yes, in some ways, but it's also patterning multiple teams and similar things so we can swim and dance together. So it's like, how can we increase our, this is where David comes in. How do we learn how to do the 12 senses? How do we learn how to do, you know, these different elements? How do we work through conflict that comes up? But how, how do we respond in the moment? So What I'll close with is dynamic sourcing is what's coming through with a small group we're training with. And what I mean by that is we're listening at a level I've never listened before. So sometimes we'll sit there six to eight to 10 hours without talking and just waiting to see what comes through. And the better we get at it, the the easier we're able to go in deeper. And so we're learning techniques to we're accessing consciousness that's beyond us And we're learning uh, tactics, I guess you could say, like we use Otter, Otter recording, and we'll be guided, like turn on Otter recording, because somebody might get into a stream and start bringing through stuff that we don't want to be taking notes, and we just want to get that transcript down. And so it's stuff like that. And that's what David was saying was, when we can access together, we're going to be pulling things through. So there is no design we need to have. But just like a fire service that trains all the time together so that we can respond when life calls us. So it's like this is like these for us, the nuggets come through in random moments. We, are, we don't plan for it. We're not ready for it. But if we because we train together and we train many times a week to practice, how do we capture the essence? How do we do this so that we don't lose these gold moments? Because we're training like that, we're capturing in the moment. So it's almost like becoming a fire service that's trained well together. And when life brings it through, we cap, you know, we're able to navigate and respond. And that's where my energy goes. It's like a dynamic sourcing and and flowing as a team and going here, here's where we go. And I think that will serve us in these projects because I think what's coming is the world's going to be so fast and collapsing so fast and build rising so fast. We have to be able to be fluid completely as a unit. And that's where the ego freaks, you know, in that liquid state. And the more we can be in the liquid state, 24-7 almost, I think the better, the better we're gonna be. And you guys have said it like it's it's not falling if you don't hit bottom kind of thing or what however, you know, however that that I can picture that map of like the guy just kicking back falling, you know, like that's that's what we're beginning to experience. But yeah, that's.
0: I mean, I also, I <laughs> you,
4: you started talking about it eric and i had this question also from what you brought much of you know when there's this denying force and the forward force and they they're, they're fighting against each other and the third force is really this force of possibility it, it really actually takes some a space holder because because we're so involved, we're so used to be involved in the fight of I'm right, no, I'm right, and you're wrong, that it really takes this one person to say, hey, we're, we're working in an ecosystem, you know, this is a larger ecosystem, you're both in it, this is a possibility that this conflict or tension or however you want to call it is bringing, is calling for, or let's, or let's look at what the possibilities are. And so this question of who are those people? You know who are those people who can really hold space for that kind of third force? Um, you know, holding space for that third force, and if that is any, you know, in your consideration about how, hey, how do we train these people who can hold space even for the three people in a street, like you were saying, magic? You know, or ten people in a school, or twelve people in a family, you know, family guild, family unit, and because it you know, maybe even one person is enough, but it needs one person who can hold that space.
3: So at the personal level, I've been experimenting with looking at my parts within me, like doing exactly this. I have one part activating, another part resisting. And then I say, okay, there is this greater whole that I call magic or whatever, this dynamic system. And... And yes, it it is possibility. And also, I think possibility needs some uh, direction or you need to know if if you are good, you can see so many possibilities. And then which which one do you follow in in this situation? And from the regenerative point of view, it's best if it's informed by uh, by, by by, by your presence with the living system that you are serving. So you look at the greater whole, And you're trying to sense, and this is, maybe this is 12 sense uh, perception. You're trying to sense the essence of this living system. What is trying to come through this system? What is, what form of aliveness? What is the, 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 the higher order of function for this system that is trying to come through? And then this, this harmonizing force is an impulse to, to bring this, to this, to this higher level of function. So the guidance comes from the outside, not from, from me, but actually I, I, in a way, I observe the system to see which possibility to choose. And this is an attitude. I mean, this you can practice for yourself. You can practice this with, within your family or with, with the extended pod or, or within the village. But it's, it's, it's always, they say this is this 50% of external considering and 50% internal. So you observe your internal state and you're looking for your essence, your impulse and the other 50% is in contact with the greater whole. Which by definition is so complex you cannot comprehend it intellectually. So there's no analysis. There's no, no way to, to know. It's this, and this you build over years, I guess. This, is, this takes practice
0: to serve a living system.
2: Yeah, beautiful. It's, oh, go ahead, Clinton. If, no, no, go ahead. Um, yeah, and, and Chloe, with your question or about space holding, and this is something I've been playing with and several of us have, is even reconsidering space holding. Like space holding in itself is saying, I know, like I'm creating a space and I'm holding it, so I'm influencing that space. And what you're saying with the observer effect it's more like how do we navigate as observers, not even navigate, just like be with what is. Because for me to think I can hold a space that's going to be needed to bring through these types of solutions we're talking about, I don't think I can. Now I can I can train with a team where we can see things together because we're seeing different things internally. And what David's helped me see too, and because I've been training with it and until he put words to it, I was like, I get what you're talking about. He goes, most of our eyes are designed for the 12, like the cranial nerves and the, the optic nerve is one of the 12 senses. And he goes, what people think is we, we think it's our visual, like our external vision. He goes, actually, most of the sensing from the optic nerve and everything else is, is the internal world that you're talking about, Machek, mm-hmm. is like, that's what it's for. And so we've been duped in a way to look outside of ourselves or think there's a space or something we're in when really it's what's happening in here that can access with something else but it's what I say it. It's um, it's there to me, there needs to space holding has its place and there needs to be another word of something that's like, it's an, it's an shared experience and there's no one holding this space and it takes people of great skill and training, like not, not training, like here's the way to do it. When I say, and when I say training, this is where from the fire service, What makes us effective is we train all the time. So literally we have two drills a day on every shift, multiple, you know, some multiple hours. It's not because we're trying to learn, Hey, this is how we lay the hose line. It's that it's, we put ourselves in stressed situations so that we learn how we flow in fluidity. So when it happens, a real fire, there is no thinking really even it's just flow. And that's what I see is going to need be needed for these, these, guilds or these whatever the word is the people that are going to survive this transition of humanity they have to be willing to work at deeper levels together because otherwise they're just they're still they're still in the old world like it's we're bringing something new together and the the hard reality and um no i won't go there i'm going to pause there (laughs) i see i just i see I see darkness with light coming and I see the transition is going to be a lot harder than people think and you know with what's unfolding right now we're seeing it and it's it's life in a way saying step up and I you know and I do want to make it easier on people but at the same time life's the one who's going to choose not me
1: Hmm. I mean how do you like do you imagine that we're going to get to a place where we're going to have something that can be scaled up or are we all just kind of four wizards right now, sitting around having an interesting conversation and then go back to our own research with our small teams and groups and, and keep discovering stuff, but never really have a, like a finished product or a a, a catalytic design that's going to cause some shift, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't think the solution is technological, you know, and so it's this, some other, some other stuff, but how do you think about that? How do you think about that? About the scaling up thing?
2: Yeah, I I think it's, I think it's like life evolving. I think it is going, we're going to, I think it will finally be able to scale up and it's just Like the way I see it unfolding is the, the essence, the the little pieces that do work start rising to the top and they start coming together and forming a more complex living system. It's like, we're going to find each other. We're doing it right now. And I do believe there's going to be a moment where, how would I say this? but I'll just say I've seen it in vision and that that original the original vision I saw and it wasn't like my vision it was like I got a glimpse of something and David at that time was the only other one that had seen it. I found after my journey, I found there were multiple people around the planet that had seen an almost identical vision that I had seen within a week or two of the same time. And so it was like beautiful. So in a way, we were able to talk it through. And we saw something very similar. And what David, David seen some almost identical. And I said, what I saw was this wave of intensity around the planet. It's just freaking going to war. It's on fire. It's just all this thing it seems hopeless and all these people are dying and it's just this mass die off and all these different things and i said then there was this like spark some catalyzing event and then it just was waves of love just surrounded the planet and it reorganized and like consciously reorganized and david said he'd seen something similar and he said i've seen it happen at small scale and he said, it's the way life works. It's like that last second design. And he said, when he's seen it come in in third world countries where they've been at war, and then there's something that just reorganizes it. it and a mentor that's the language she has for it is there's it builds to the, the breaking point, the boiling point, And then there's a moment of shared humanity and when there's that moment of shared humanity that's the spark and that's when everyone simultaneously and i'm not talking the globe but at a small scale they can let in an entirely new possibility so it's like woof so i see that happening i think we need to keep going like you know build like just following what we're doing cuz that's how this is unfolding and um how would i say i've seen enough miracles now that i'm like I know there's a divine support system and I just know it's going to be beyond what we can even imagine. And I have the sense humanity's not doomed. I think, I think there will be die off. And I think that's, you know, I think people are self-selecting out is what's happening right now. Cause I don't know with you guys is like the vaccine injury stuff happening pretty significantly over there. Like just in our small community here, we've one we've had multiple people die. I did CPR on a kid on my um, son's um, the team he was playing, ended up doing CPR on that. It's like we're having so many people unexpectedly die it, it, it's they're just dropping dead, and um, and so that's where I feel like that's a we're gonna need to really I don't know find the solutions that help. I I don't I don't know how to say it. I'm just going to stop there because it's I just, I'm, just
1: I'm, Say the next thing.
2: Well, my belief is, okay, I'll say it in the way I believe it. My belief is like when Marek, my mentor who woke me up and said, Hey, you've agreed to do kind of like you gave me to come to Jesus. He did it without knowing anything about me. So the first time literally I met him, he channeled to me and it was like, what the frick? How do you know things about me that nobody should know? And so he said, you've agreed. He said, you don't understand here what you understand here. And he said, there's a transition happening on planet Earth. We're making the shift from fear to love. And he said, there's been teams sent in from multiple universes and many lifetimes that have agreed to be part of this this team. What we call it now, what I call it is the human operating system upgrade team. So it's like iOS, you know, like a cell phone. So what we've been doing for humanity, what's been channeled, what's been guided, experienced, lots of things have painted this picture for me. We've been like iPhones, but we've been on automatic upgrades. So humans have been getting automatic upgrades. So if consciousness increases, humans kind of get it without having to say yes. I believe what's happening is this is the time we have to fully consciously say, yes, I am willing to go all in with life and I'm willing to upgrade and I'm willing to do whatever the fuck it takes so I don't destroy this planet anymore in life. And when I'm doing that, and that's, I've literally made this commitment, everything started reorienting for me. So I think that's what's happening. So if I take a desktop, like remember the Apple computers, like the Apple IIe's, they had a big desktop kind of thing that sat on your desk. We've now got iPhones and all the different things. If I look at humans and see them as a main, like a desktop, and there's new technology now that I can say yes to. So if I say yes to it, I will get the upgrades, but I have to be in a in a, I have to be, we've been calling it the light chamber. I'm just going to use the words that we've been using. So the light chamber is an energetic chamber that's basically able to it's like nuclear fusion. You know how there's a nuclear reactor, splits atoms, splits consciousness, all the different things. I believe what's coming is fusion of consciousness. So in this, we're going to be able to do this when we choose it. The level of energy we're dealing with and we have, like I said, we've had people die and I, I've i had people anyways, I won't go there, um, but... I know consciousness work. If you don't hold it right, people can die. So what I think is coming in is we have to be able to hold this light chamber in such integrity. We're not keeping the dark out. I used to think, oh, we got to protect ourselves from the dark. No, we're creating something that's so integrous. It has to be able to keep the light in. And when that happens, we can literally upgrade the human operating system almost instantaneously without the destruction, without the blowouts, without those things. That's what I think is coming. So when you say it's not technology, I'd say, no, it's not technology like like tech technology, but it is divine technology that's gonna help us totally fuse. So I think this is my personal opinion. What's happened with the vaccine is life gave a beautiful, like I used to think 9-11, oh, horrible evil, the vaccine stuff or the COVID stuff, you know, the messing with people and genocide evil. I now see there's a lot more light in what's happening because to me, the beauty is we didn't have to go into a World War III right now. They, a vaccine was created, a virus was created and people got to opt in, yes or no. No one forced me to take the vaccine, although they forced me to wear a mask, but not the vaccine. What I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary. It's pretty intense and it's called um, Died Suddenly. Have you guys heard of it? No. It's on Rumble. It's, it's, I'm just going to forewarn you if you're, I don't know your vaccine status and all that and don't want to assume. I also know there's solutions that are coming. This one documentary has, has lit up the United States in a lot of ways, because there's actually one of the senators or congresswomen now wants to hold trials on this, like, or not hearings on it it's the morticians in the United States are coming, even around the world, they're coming together and they're showing what's happening to the bodies. The the level of internal mutations happening in them is just, it's mind blowing. And so that's why all these people are dying. And David's work, a lot of David Martin's work is with COVID. He is in the movie Plandemic 2. So if you guys haven't seen that, watch that. That's David. He's exposed this. He's been tracking it for over 20 years. So this man, like he and I are on similar pages, like the shadow has prepped us for this moment. And so his prediction is minimum 700 million plus are going to be dead soon from, from the continued vaccines. But the beauty is, I believe we come back as a soul. So, what I think is happening is if I choose, I want to reset my system and I surrender myself in a way I humble myself to life and God and say, you know, life and say, I'm going to come into alignment with you. I'm not here to do my own thing in that, you know, I'm here to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm part of a whole, I'm not here to be a rogue agent kind of thing. If people say yes, they're gonna get the new operating system upgrades. And the people that say no, their their true north is external agency. So the vaccine, what it did beautifully Was it identified? You self-selected. Do I trust an external agency, a pharmaceutical, my friends, community peer pressure, fear? Why am I making this decision? And I'm not saying just people who chose vaccines is wrong, but if they made that choice from a very deep-centered listening place, that's a different choice than because I'm told to do it and I want to have access to certain things and I'm going to take these vaccines. So my personal belief is we are learning to go from external agency to internal agency and these family guilds are going to develop the internal agency skills so it's like how do we navigate internally and not from our external world and that's that's the challenge and so that's what I believe is happening and that's um, that's the die-off and the different things that that I think I saw in that vision was like we need because and if you think about the beauty and the honor in this I'll finish with this is if I'm a higher self, and because of my 9-11 work, I've had some ch- access to channelers and my own channeling now. That's helped me see a much deeper, beautiful, loving picture. Like we knew humanity had to get through this. We had to choose roles to help us get through this. Like David said it too. We had to go through this to, to break through. And part of our awakening, you could say, and he's like, we're not trying to transcend. We're trying to become more human. So he said, part of that is to honor the shadow and honor what's been. And so if I see this and I go, wow. I come in as a consciousness magnet. All of us are. We're in a living in a soup of consciousness. We're all magnets. We all like bring on whatever's around us. And we realize the density of certain external agency, fighting, doing whatever is not working. And we need a way to reset consciousness. You need a lot of people that are stuck in the old consciousness to exit. And one of my mentors who did end up committing suicide, he helped me see that. And what it was, was he'd been in the dark for so long, was... I, he's like, I have, how how would I say the essence was I have done so much work in the dark. I'm programmed with it. I'm not able to let go. I know there's a reset possible in a way I'm taking that density with me and composting it. You could say, so that's what I think is happening. It's not that we have too many people on the planet. I don't believe, I believe we have too much hard density, consciousness, slave consciousness and victim consciousness and perpetrator consciousness and as people choose to take that with and others choose to go more, you know, to, to light up, that's why I think this is going to work. And, and it sounds woo-woo, but I think, I think there's a divine play in action here.
4: Thank you for being vulnerable with that, with
2: us. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I'm a little nervous on the thing, but...
1: Dude, dude, dude. Okay. It's It's uh, had to be said.
2: uh, Yeah. Yeah, And that's, I'm going back into the 9-11 world and different ones I'm being called into. And the approach we're taking is is David's the same page. He's like, the fight's gone in me now. And he and I were in the fight for quite a while. And he's like, it's gone. So he's standing up, but he's like, I'm not here to Break down. I'm here to follow what I'm being guided to do. But he said, my energy is in the new, like this new consciousness and that. And the beauty is like both he and I are just lit up. It's like, it's. happening because so many are lost like oh my god there's so much darkness and I had a friend say this once was I don't want someone who's rainbows and unicorns and optimistic being the one that's telling me this shit I want someone that knows how dark it really is and David knows how dark it is way more than I do because he's literally I mean his story when you hear it at some point the level of torture he's been through the level of everything because of what he knows is unreal and this man is like he sees the beauty he's like we've got this it's just it's not going to look like most of us think and none of us know but he's like we got it and I'm like we got it (laughs) you know and it's like and I have no fucking idea how we got it but we do I, uh,
3: I just want to add that um The the, the path that you just described, the spiritual path, is exactly what happens in the community building process by Scott Peck. So basically, you bring your own bullshit, and gradually you just give up, hope that it will work. So it just dies. It's literally like dying. And it's only when you just have no idea how to do it, (laughs) then the switch happens, and we are lifted. But it's a process of dying, not process of designing and building. So it's mm-hmm. a very humbling, humbling process of trusting something divine, and it, it touched me very much. This 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 picture that you just drew. Beautiful. Um, and it's still scary. I mean, to to yeah. to, 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 what... to accept this die off. To, to, I mean, literal yeah. die off. And um, and I think it's, it's it's great that we are saying this that. It's not a soft landing. It's not that we are just okay. It's a transition to the next culture, or whatever. I mean, it's it, it's internal, like spiritual dying, and also, yeah, people people are suffering, and yeah. it's serious really suffering.
2: And this is where people have done the work, like you guys. This is where I think that small percentage you've been willing to be in the fire and you know die over and over and all like the liquid state, that's going to be needed more than anything because. What I didn't realize, and I didn't say, I mean, Clinton and and Chloe know this, but I didn't remember my major trauma as a kid until just a few years ago. And what I had done was I didn't know how to be with intense emotions. So I just shut it all down kind of in a way. And I think the only thing that's going to bring us through this is we're going to have such, like, this is going to be such deep empathy needed. And to be in this with people as it's the die off is happening, that it's, That it's like, we have to be in flow and we can't block it because that's, what's going to blow it up. So it's like, how do we be in that level of pain as, you know, as needed all the time? Like, it's terrifying to me, but the better we get at falling into that abyss of the pain, you know, like you guys do with the, all the different feelings. It's like, we're going to have to become masters at being, feeling, you know, letting it flow and just not stopping it. Because that's, I think that's what's going to bring this through. Because it's just the level of what's happened here. Like one of the ladies on our team, she, her cousin is 26 years old. And he just, he got the vaccine in two boosters and he's an Ironman ultra, he's an Ironman triathlete and he died in the last Ironman. And um, and so it's just like, holy shit. And so her level of, grief. she's been through the Next Culture stuff and several, so, you know, she's amazing and she's able to go and like that's what she we're beginning to see is we're going to need to do this as a team to help a community because when you say not everyone can meet us there but there are a few of us that can and that level of consciousness can serve the community as this is happening and the more of us that could show up without the anger towards the shadow and the fight and all the other things and just be with the pain like i think that's that's what's that's what's that's
3: the key. The, the, there is this term uh, hospicing modernity. I, I cannot remember where it comes from or who it comes from, but I think there's a book, Hospicing Modernity, that I notice in myself and also in this kind of next culture project that we're doing, like, oh, we are jumping into, we, we inhabit the next culture. And it may be that we are still, I mean, at, at least a huge part of our job is to actually hospice what is happening? What has been there? So, be able with, to be with the grief and with the pain, and also with in the dying process, without jumping ahead, mm-hmm. because this is again a sort of fantasy world that we are already there, and to re- how to really be in the process of this modernity dying off. And I think I, I see this as a as a big challenge to to really, you know. Be in this. It's a it's a painful process. I mean, it's for for, for human beings. It's uh, I, I I see myself that no matter how I'm initiated, I still feel the pain of of this dying, and um, and again, it may be part of the shadow work, not at, not to avoid it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and
3: just focus on the next. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to to highlight here. Thank you, Eric.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Matt. I think we have about nine minutes or something. What What do you guys need to say to each other right now?
2: For me, I can feel your heart. I can feel the pain that we both have like, it's just with what you shared, I can feel like, like you have a natural capacity to go there. And I think that's like us staying in connection through th- these different pieces. Like that's gonna, that's gonna help. Um Because there's also like a, I don't know, it's making me want to cry. Um, There's a die off of thinking we can figure out the answer. Like we fucking can't um it's we've got to just be willing to fucking go liquid and like I don't fucking know um and the more we can go there together I think I don't know it's like that's where life can emerge then because it's like there's I don't know like there's just the heart connection I feel right now versus like hey what's the project you're working on it's like what's the fucking pain we're in
0: I
3: when I I mean when I've been in the space I really appreciated that um what what you've been bringing Eric is it's giving hope I mean no matter what you think about hope but uh, cuz the, the the biggest pain I have is about my daughter I mean she's 15 and I can see how much these two realities the two cultures are within her so she sometimes she she is the resisting force against what my my proposals because she she's protecting the modernity the the, the modern culture, so yeah. she wants to go to McDonald's, mm-hmm. and at the same time she has this fear and she has this pain about you know growing up within the world that is falling apart. So there is this this I can see how it is happening within her, deciding what to do with this world with with her life, and. I appreciate very much how i mean the clarity and the courage you have into bringing this this vision so there's i I can sense there is more men or more more persons, more more groups actually offering something for for her and her generation. so mm-hmm. th- th- thank you very much i mean this this is uh, it also opens my heart very much. thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you all. And I, yeah, I just feel called to add like the hope, like if someone does watch this and and like, Oh God, cause once you do watch diet, suddenly it's, it's hard to go back to not see what they show you in there. Um, and if you see David's Martin work, it's a, can't be denied. And so it becomes like a, a reality we don't want to let in. But what I see my senses is, is these, these, pods that are going to be all around the planet to help with the awakening and the transition for those who say yes and are willing to humble themselves and come into alignment with life And i'm speaking like to your daughter in particular like in a way i believe like we're all making our own choices but we can reverse a lot of these things we can't yet but i think we will be able to so it's not the end of the world if someone was vaccinated or someone was whatever it's like if they're a yes I believe the technologies are here now that can start reversing this, but it's going to be accessible by those who've said yes. You know, so in a way it's like, we're going to hold each other. Like, uh, yeah, I get, I get lit up thinking we're saying yes to each other. And when we say yes to each other, it's everything becomes possible then.
0: Yeah. I do feel called to share a picture if I can find it of the boy that I did CPR on. He was 14 years old and playing Ultimate Frisbee. And uh, maybe I can't find him. I don't know. No, it doesn't matter. It's just like his eyes. What do you want to share his...
1: He just dropped on
2: the field. And when I got to him and one other two other people, he was still awake. And then the look, the soul transfer that happened when he looked into my eyes and was just like, what the fuck is happening? And I've been on a lot of CPRs, but nothing like this. And just the level of fear. And then we were able to get him back. And it was just like thinking, please. And then it was a few months later, he dropped again. And this time he died. And just like the confusion with the family and with the community and with everything. It's just, it's like, it's not right. You
1: know, it's like there's kids that are dropping dead.
0: And it's not right, and it's, uh, and we have to be with it. Yeah. 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 Thank you for saying that. His name was Silas. Silas. Wow. Oh. Thank you for. Yeah
2: those few months more yeah I think he was a gift to me like to I think his soul was there to send a message directly like it's real now you know because I've I've thought this was going to happen I've heard stories but it wasn't in my mouth and even like doing mouth-to-mouth with him puking even it was like it never had been that real like this is in me now you know it's like oh shit And this is my son's, you know, he's my son's plant, you know, right? It's like, it's just, it brought it home. And it's like, okay. And I think more of us are going to start having those bringing it home experiences.
0: Yeah. i really
1: glad. About our time together here. And I feel really glad that you two guys got to meet each other. Cause I know both of you and I cherish both of you. And there's more getting to be with each other now. So you know you know about each other and you can connect. And I don't know what will come of it, but I just appreciate you both being a yes
0: for this space together.
2: Thank you, Clinton, for your Continued support and connections. and You can count on it. I know.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you. I
1: didn't even know I
3: needed this kind of encounter. Thank you for seeing this. And thank you, Eric.
2: You're welcome. Thank you, Machek. 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 Okay. Thank you. I look forward to meeting in person.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It was an um, honor to be coming to this. Carry on, we're we're here with you. Talk to you next time.
3: Thank you very much. Thank Thanks. you for the space. Bye
0: bye. bye. Yeah. bye.